Hello and welcome to Talking Fußball Extra, the Ausstieg Edition, your source for all things Zweite Bundesliga and lower league German football. On this episode we do talk about corner flags causing damage and drama, the battle for promotion heating up in the Zweite Bundesliga, Covid is once again yielding its ugly head and well we're back talking a little bit about people with a Stasi background. My name is Nick Wiltagen and I'm once again joined by my regular panel. First up there is our refereeing and ground hopping expert Mike Krikemeyer. How are you doing today, Mike? I am so fine. Thanks, Nick. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this episode and the thrilling rest of the Zweite Bundesliga season. Great. And this show won't be the same without our tactics expert, Jasmine Barber. How are you doing there over in Darmstadt? I am not looking forward to the rest of the Zweite Bundesliga. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it causes me great anxiety, I think, for any fan who's going for promotion at, or relegation. Relegation races also hotting up. Well, relegation playoff race, let's put it that way. I mean, you'll be meeting Felix Maggot, so unless the ball on the pitch isn't a medicine ball, I think all three of our teams should be fine. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we'll be taking a short break, and after that break, we'll be diving straight into all the latest from the Bundesliga 2, so stay tuned for that. here we go it's not been a nice weekend for me it's been a sort of mediocre weekend for the other two on the podcast but hey let's start off with covid once again yes covid is once again yielding its ugly head and this time around our against hsv was cancelled fortuna Düsseldorf wanted their match to be cancelled so mike what happened yeah, I think especially in Düsseldorf, they will ask themselves what happened. There are certain rules how you can ask for a game to be postponed uh, or rescheduled. And that requests some numbers of players who are eligible to play. And of course, both teams thought that they do not have enough players. In the end, it has been decided that Düsseldorf has enough. I think the number is 16. There are some more minor details of uh, licensee players and so on. But in the end, they need to have 16 out of them. At least one has to be a goalkeeper. I think on the match report, Düsseldorf had 18 in the end. Three of them were goalkeepers. One of them even was sitting on the bench in a player shirt. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and, and they made a really, really great job at Paderborn and uh, they, they led until stoppage time and then they conceded two goals. Fortunately for them, one of those two goals was disallowed by the VAR, so at least they got one point out of that match. And HSV was cancelled on Friday night. Uh, they, they already communicated, I think, on Thursday morning that the game should be postponed and DFL took some time because... At that certain moment, HSV had enough players to proceed. And on Friday evening, there was another test 
positive and then the DFL cancelled. So of course there were rumors that it was just the brother of the bus driver who got a positive test, but I won't go into details on that. So no, you would never share any negative rumors about HSV as a Sao Paulo fan. I mean, <laughs> no, I no, 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 no. You know, I mean, you love them as you know, neighborly brothers, neighborly brothers. Of course. Yeah, we don't know if next week Düsseldorf HSV will take place, so they play each other on Saturday. At the moment, if this will also be postponed, it feels a little bit like Kiel in the last season because they were fighting for promotion and they were also in the cup semi-final like HSV is at the moment. So if they do play Düsseldorf next week... It will only be that one game against our and it has just been rescheduled today to the Tuesday after the next match day. So I think it's the 5th of April. So after the national break and then they just need this one game to be rescheduled. It is rescheduled already. But if also the Düsseldorf game will be postponed, then it will be a heavy challenge for them. And yeah, let's wait and see how this will work out in the end. Yeah, and I agree with Mike that we heard a little bit in the last Aufstieg edition of what COVID can do to a team's schedule with what happened to Dresden at the start of the pandemic. We've seen what it's done to Kiel last season too. Um, but the only saving grace for Hamburg, if even when they play that hour game, is that out of the top seven they have the easiest remaining fixture list i do say that with some quotations around it and some reservations if they can beat the lower ranked teams but on paper out of their remaining nine games only two are in the top half of the table and those teams are eighth and ninth (laughs) well there you go so sure thing promotion for hsv uh i take it anyways what i've really found funny is the uh Official Twitter account of Fortuna Düsseldorf actually tweeted out before the match uh, against Paderborn, quote, We're actually getting familiar with some rather high and unusual jersey numbers. We are all learning those names right about now. Which, you know, it's sort of like a a kick to the uh, DFL was actually a rather nice one. Well, having said those things and, you know, talking about our brotherly love for HSV, for, you know, me and you, Mike, uh, we both share you know, only feelings of love and compassion for HSV. I say that with the most ironic of smirks around my mouth. Actually, this is heartfelt. I I think um, we should give kudos to HSV for something that they did on the weekend. Yeah, like you said, something we definitely will not make any jokes about. So uh, they, of course, uh, ordered the whole food and stuff for for match day already and uh, when the game was cancelled they were inviting Ukrainian refugees to their stadium uh, to serve all the food Uh, I think I heard 400 people showed up in the end. I'm not sure if this number is correct but this is at least what I read today somewhere so of course you wouldn't know what else to do with food on match day if there is no game scheduled so it, it was First of all, a very, very good idea, and they made that in a very good way. So I saw pictures of their mascot playing around with some Ukrainian children. So, yeah, great stuff from them. Excellent. So, um, changing topics ever so slightly. Dynamo Dresden, Jasmine, they let go of Alexander Schmidt uh, shortly after our last yeah, podcast. Yeah, rather annoyingly. <laughs> Who on earth is that new guy? Because there was talk about Uwe Rösler, but that didn't materialize. So who is that new guy? I mean, Gurini Capretti? 
Yeah, um, and he is Italian-German, so that's where the name comes from. But yeah, eagle-eyed fans of the Dritte Liga and the Regionalliga probably know this guy a little bit better. But if you don't know, well, first of all, Uwe Rusler was too expensive in the end. And Dresden went with the former field coach, Garino Capretti. And it's actually quite a refreshing appointment if we look at what other clubs are doing. Um, and as you said, Uwe Dostler was floated about and that felt like he would have gone into, you know, the same direction we see most uh, Spited Liga appointments turn into. Yeah, he was at Fell for five years. He got them promoted on basically a shoestring squad. And in their first season in the Dritte Liga, they also did fantastically and finished seventh. He was fired this season as Fell dropped into the relegation places. But if you take them as a club, he got the best out of them. So he managed some fantastic things with them, them getting promoted. I know there was a little bit of, not controversy, but as it happened during the COVID season and I can't remember the team's name, but they didn't actually apply for a Dritte Liga license. So that was why Fell went up that season, but he still managed to finish seven. Was that Rödinghausen? Yes. Yes. I could think of the, the name, but I couldn't remember it properly. But yeah, it was them. But yeah, he definitely got the best out of them. Finishing seventh in that first season was more that they could have expected. And even them dropping into relegation, he did so well for them. It was kind of hard for him to leave. But that's what happened. And so one of Dresden's main issues is that they couldn't do anything with the ball. And Capretti's style of play is more geared towards being in possession. And you could already see that in the first half against St. Pauli. They had four shots on target and looked generally a lot better. And they're creating more. They even definitely looked better in their 2-1 loss against Bremen, which you could say they were a little bit unlucky against. They've had a horrible run on top, so they've had Darmstadt, Bremen and St. Pauli, and they have Nürnberg next. It's a difficult fixture list by itself, but to be a new coach. But they're definitely playing well enough to, A, maybe not face the relegation playoffs they're only three points away from four points maybe from being completely safe but if they do end up there and they are good enough to win that playoff now but all eyes are on Kiel who have lost their last four games and Hanover who have lost their last two I mean, the other side that was down there in the dumps with them uh, for some time is actually Hansa Rostock, team that has won their last two matches. So uh, two matches ago, they had a brilliant 4-3 win against Schalke, which, you know, they secured in the dying moments of the match, which was uh, absolutely fantastic. And then Dikoga followed up uh, with a 3-1 win over fellow Northerners and relegation strugglers, Kiel. So those six points have catapulted Rostock 12 points clear of relegation, where our currently is, and they are four points away from Dresden in that promotion playoff spot. So what's been going on at Hansa Rostock? What has changed? I mean... Those two results are truly outstanding. So is it just the magic of Hanno Behrens and John Verhoek finally finding out how to run this team? Or is there something else going on? The bad standard across the league. <laughs> um, everyone seems to have been 
kind of average. If you've got two spaces already occupied with, with two teams that are likely to go down and aren't picking up any points, when you pick up a couple or two wins back-to-back, you suddenly look brilliant. And that's why consistency is so, so important in this league. I think a good example of this is Werder Bremen. We've seen them absolutely shoot up because they won seven games out of eight or nine and they're suddenly they actually they actually won seven in a row then they had to draw against Ingolstadt and then they won against HSV and Dynamo Dresden so they had 10 undefeated matches and now they lost their first match exactly and that's what consistency can do and so those two I mean I don't want to take up all the time on this podcast saying is Schalke actually good or not (laughs) but um, Hansa Rostock does have they've always been hard to play throughout the season so they've got the basis there of at least keeping safe and it's just those two wins keeping high intensity and being hard away especially away from home where they're doing better they're kind of a surprising team that will pop up, get a few results, and that can be enough to stay safe this season. Well, there you go. And uh, you mentioned Werder Bremen there. So, uh, Mike, let's talk a little bit about uh, what's going on at the top of the table. Pauli, they played against Dresden. They managed to get a draw. Darmstadt, they managed to get a draw against Sandhausen. Werder Bremen, they lost their first match under Ole Werner. And at the same time, Heidenheim, who won against Werder, Nuremberg, who won against uh, Hanover, and Schalke, who won against uh, Salah Dwellers Ingolstadt under their new coach Mike Buskins, are back in it. So we basically have six, seven teams all vying for promotion still. And Schalke are pretty much the most interesting out of the bunch. So what has happened with them? I don't know. Uh, on, on, on the weekend, it was mainly Rodrigo Salazar. Former St. Pauli player. Yeah, on loan from Frankfurt. And uh, I think he is still on loan, but they already announced that they do have an option to buy him after the season, and they probably will do that. So he came in in minute, I think it was 52, and in 55 he scored the first goal, and then he made two assists for the other goals. And yeah, well... He kissed the Schalke badge on the shirt and um, this probably is a very good sign that he won't play there next season. <laughs> but, um, yeah, w- what you just forgot to mention is that HSV can also jump back to that uh, table position because they do have those three points at hand against Auer and if they win then they do have 44 points like Schalke. So yeah, seven teams. Will be entertaining. Nine games to go. Jasmine, what are your thoughts? And Mike Buskins hasn't even taken charge of a session yet. <laughs> he, ha- he had COVID, so he didn't even make the bench. Did you know that? Yeah, he will come back on Wednesday. Well, there you go. I mean, Mike Buskins, he can work more magic from his sixth day than Dimitrios Grimotsis could do whilst, you know, being involved in training sessions. So, I mean, that is a ringing endorsement of Mike Buskins and uh, quite brutal realisation for Mr. Grimotsis, I would take it. it. It's really interesting. I'm, I have no idea who could end up in the top three. I'm not going to jinx anything. I don't want to say anything anymore because it's 
Just anxiety fueling. Talking about a jinx, Felix Maggot, <laughs> Me. before this weekend said, Werder Bremen, they're through. They're through, you know? Done and dusted. And then they go on and losing against Heidenheim. And then you look at their schedule and think, oh, well, hang on, Nuremberg? Schalke? Darmstadt? St. Pauli? Well, look at that. They've got all of those teams left to play. It, well, that's actually the interesting thing. First of all, if you take in statistics, everyone is performing. At the top, everyone's performing pretty averagely. <laughs> for instance, Pauli, for the last four weeks, have been performing worse than Sandhausen. So if we take like XG differences and big chances differences allowed and uh, created, they are the fourth worst team in the league right now. I'm not quite sure <laughs> what Nuremberg have done there's another example of if you keep consistent for a bit you're suddenly in back in the race because Nuremberg we two episodes ago you were asking me what had gone wrong and now they're they could get promoted but that could be the luck of the fixture list and they've had one of the easiest rookrunders so far because their last eight games Dresden at home Heidenheim away Darmstadt at home Werder away Sandhausen at home St Pauli away Kiel away and Schalke that's pretty hard Heidenheim, for instance, have St. Pauli, Nuremberg, Schalke next, and then a bunch of lower-performing teams with Dusseldorf in the middle, who's one of the best teams at the moment. Schalke have a very difficult end of fixtures, including the top three. Darmstadt, similar, with uh, starting with Bremen this week. So basically, all these teams still have to play each other. Apart from Hamburg, they are the only one who, again, as I said earlier, on paper have the easiest run-in don't have to play any of the top seven and all of these teams will probably drop points against each other so Hamburg could be laughing if they actually perform in their games so yeah not I have no idea because everyone has to play each other in the top six well there you go exciting times still to come anyways this is it for part one of the show stay tuned for the next part So here we go. Lower league time, guys. Mike, you are a ref. There are a couple of refereeing stories uh, that caught my eyes of late. Uh, which one do you want to start with? Uh, I will probably start with the one which is really from grassroots football. So you might have never heard the names of SC Union Nettetal second team as well as the VFB Erdingen, uh, first team, I assume. Uh, they played each other on the weekend and the home team was leading 4-1 at half. They that, that, that is net at all. I, yeah, if it's important <laughs> for the story, then it is net at all. <laughs> I don't really care. And uh, they lost 4-5 in the end and um, it, the game was staged in the Kreisliga A Kempen Krefeld, if you want to know that. Kreisliga is which division? Uh, well, it, 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 it's a little bit different in every single region. So for my region, Schleswig-Holstein, it's uh, the, the fourth one is the Regionalliga. Then we have Oberliga, number five. We do have, uh, no, in, in Schleswig-Holstein it's different. It's 
Ähm, Landesliga ist der Sixth, äh, Verbandsliga ist Seven und äh, Kreisliga ist Eight. But it might be slightly different in other regions. So it must be something around seven, eight or nine. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, the home coach was so, well, I can't say disappointed. It's more furious when he saw the defeat coming after the 4-1 uh, lead at the break. And he, well, kicked the flag, which is on the sidelines, on the middle line. And... Unfortunately, we don't have a video available, but this flag must somehow made its way after his kick over the sideline barriers behind the benches. And there, a referee official was hit by that flag in the face and also on the neck. And it's, it's not that funny. So we are not allowed to laugh because he was brought into the hospital and he was only able to leave the hospital after a few days. So imagining a, a coach kicking that flag and seconds after he realized what he did, it, it, it uh, I'm, I'm really sorry. It, it, it's not funny, but I was really having a laugh when I read that. And I just hope that that referee official is okay by now. I, I hope he has a love about it too, because obviously he's fine now. But what I liked about the club's press statement, which is, you know, probably a, a first for Nesetal, doing a press statement that goes national. For the second team. For the second team, nonetheless, <laughs> um, is, is the fact that even if you try to accomplish what the coach tried to do, you would never be able to do that in a million years if you tried and tried and tried. And uh, the coach himself, to be fair, uh, went over to the referee and tried to help him straight away after he'd seen what he'd done. But nevertheless, he was actually let go by Netatal because, you know, it, it is time to look inward and reflect upon some rage issues it turns out anyways uh, jasmine there's another refereeing story uh, from the weekend uh, why don't you uh, tell us about that i didn't actually see this incident so i'll try and tell you what i know about it basically there was a dritter league match between kaiserslautern and the halvese and the first goal that kaiserslautern scored should have been annulled was it Kaiserslautern who scored three now? This yeah. is me blind. <laughs> yep. It should be anyway. It would be surprising if Halfaisy won three now against Kaiserslautern. But the first goal that they scored, there was a handball involved by Philip Hercher and it should have been annulled. The referee didn't see it and he still awarded it. And he took to Twitter to apologise uh, for his mistake. So... Yeah, it's a lot of coaches and kind of talk about that mistake was saying it was really refreshing and that especially what we mentioned in the last um, story that it's really good to see this kind of reflection being even talked about quite openly, especially on social media. No one kind of blames him because obviously in the Dirty Liga you don't have VAR. So if you don't see an incident, you know, you have to just go with, sorry, I can't give it because I'm not sure if it happened. So, yeah, really refreshing to see. And, yeah, I, I think it brings up a wider question about 
fast VAR in lower leagues probably can't be done because of the money involved. But yeah, that that's all. That's all I know about this. Well, there you go. I mean, let's talk a little bit about my Patrick Itrich then, uh, Mike. Uh, he is from Hamburg, same city as you. Uh, he's a police officer. He is a he is a funny police officer because he's a fakirs Casper. Yeah. What is a fakirs Casper? Can can you enlighten us what what that is all about? Yeah, we we might need to explain that. Correct. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I need to say I really do like Patrick Itrich. I had the pleasure to meet him twice. And uh, he's he's really a really really great guy. Although he's a policeman, and maybe I can explain that a little bit because he needs to explain traffic rules to children, and he really says that this is such a pleasure. Uh, so I assume he wouldn't work as an other kind of policeman. So I'm fine with that. <laughs> um, You're not going to meet him on a match. No, trail, I but. won't. Um, yeah, and, and he's really, really open for social media. His Twitter account, I think it's only half a year old at the moment, but uh, he was also uh, as a guest for, on Colinas Erben podcast. And uh, he's really, really open-minded for all these stuff. And I met him the first time when he made um, a presentation for referees on a regional level. So here in Schleswig-Holstein, and he, he got there to make his presentation and he was really, really funny and uh, explaining all that stuff from, from Bundesliga, uh, funny stories about coaches, how he approached them and how he acts on the pitch, talking to players. And, um, yeah, yeah, I, I can't praise him enough. I really like him and the reaction on the weekend. I think this is the best you can do. You, everyone saw it on camera. So, uh, everyone knows you did a wrong decision. Just go out there, tell them, Hey, from my point of view, there was someone standing in the middle of myself and the situation. So I was not able to see it. So it was a fault. I'm the one who's most ashamed of it, but I can't change it. That's it. Ah, good one. Yeah, he actually, if you look at his Twitter account, he actually answers questions from time to time. So if you ever want to ask a referee question, uh, follow Patrick Itrich on, on Twitter, and he seems like a great guy. Anyways, you know, we had the third tier, we had uh, the eighth, ninth, or maybe even seventh division, whatever the Kais class is in North Rhine-Westphalia. But um, let's talk a little bit about the fourth tier. And, uh, well, there are five divisions in the Regionalliga and the Regionalliga Nord is a little bit special this year Mike so what can you tell me about that yeah um well all who is to blame of course is covid again so because of covid there were no teams relegated in the last two years and so they now had the situation that they need to deal with 21 teams and um, they had covid in mind they were afraid that they might not be able to finalize a, a league with 40 games so they split the division or the regionalliga into two divisions a north and a south one 11 of them in this in the north 10 of them in the south and they played two games against each other in each of these divisions uh, after that the top five of each division got into a championship round and will now play a home and away leg against the other five teams from the other division 
Only the results of the other four teams from the same division will be taken into account for this new table and whoever will be champion will then need to play against the champion of the Regionalliga Northeast in a playoff game for promotion to third league, uh, which might be BFC Dunao Berlin, it could be I think Lok Leipzig is second at the moment, so this uh, might be a game worth watching when you plan a summer trip to Germany. Just make sure that you do some security advice uh, for especially a game at BFC Dynamo before that. Yeah, nine games have been played up to now, another nine to come. At the moment, VFB Oldenburg is top of the league with 18 points, but even on place seven, Atlas Delmenhorst, which is also like Oldenburg near Bremen, they have 12 points and you can still dream of going up, so might be entertaining to watch in the last couple of weeks. Uh, even more entertaining is the situation in the relegation group because six teams from the north, five from the south, which makes the table a little bit difficult to read at the moment. But the most important thing, five, at least five out of, out of 11 teams will go down. So in theory, it could be even more, up to eight. <laughs> but at the moment, only one team will get into this Regionalliga Nord from the third, from the third league, so TSV. Havelse. Um, so probably it will stay at five teams going down. And Haider SV, they are from Schleswig-Holstein. They seem to be lost already. Uh, all other teams like FC Oberneuland from Bremen, HSC Hanover, Altona 93, BSV Reden, Lüneburger Escar, they are all chasing St. Pauli under 23. And this will be an interesting one until the end, I'm quite sure. Anyways, I think we've <laughs> come to the end of the show. Uh, Jasmine, uh, always a pleasure talking to you. Where can people find your work and where can they find you on Twitter? Yep, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Jasmine Barber. And yeah, my work is all posted there. Mike. It's Mike Crew on Twitter and you better follow the Milan tone. You better do. Anyways, my name is Nick Viltag and you can follow me at Musings for updates on Felix Maggot and other important stuff. You can follow Talking Foosball at Talking Foosball. Make sure to give us a rating in iTunes. Next up on this channel are the Fantasy Boys. So stay tuned for that. Until next time, it is goodbye for now from all of us. <laughs> <laughs>